0: Hi, this is Jay Baer of Convince & Convert Consulting, and welcome to the new Content Experience Show. Content Experience is the new content marketing. It's not only about reaching audiences where they are, but engaging them with personalized, useful content that matters. On the Content Experience Show, we share strategies, tips, and real-world examples of how leaders are taking their content marketing to the next level. Now, here's your hosts, Randy Frisch from Uberflip and Anna Harak from Convince & Convert Consulting.
1: Hey, Anna, we've got an awesome show for our audience today. Welcome, everyone, to the Content Experience Podcast. I'm Randy Frisch, and... This one was fun. I mean, first off, we have the nicest guest possible, know We've got Mark Schaefer, right. who's just a good person. And I think you said the last time you spoke to him, he just felt warm.
2: He's so genuine and nice. Yeah,
1: He's, So, you know, if you're looking for the asshole show, this is not that today. This is the nice guy who's going to make you feel good, but also challenge you and, and put you out of your comfort zone. And I'm gonna hit with one stat that he threw out there that really scared me. And and I had seen this one because I saw an awesome video that teases his book called Marketing Rebellion. But it's the idea that two thirds of the activity that's happening with your audience is happening outside of your control, right? So despite all the emails we send, the the ads we retarget, things like that, people are forming their opinion of your brand and your offering through their own research or even just you know what other people are saying out there. And I, I don't know. Like does that scare you? It scares me.
2: Um no. I embrace that. Because no, I embrace that because I'm I very much am the type of person that is um I think I'm like a weird marketer. Like I don't actually like traditional marketing. Like I'm very much in the camp of I'm a big fan of ad blockers. I like to protect my privacy. Um, I don't want every marketer out there knowing every single thing about me, which creates kind of a catch-22 for myself when I go to promote things. But I think there's a <laughs> right way to promote things. And Mark talks a lot about the right way. And not even the right way necessarily, but just the the shift that's happening towards not buying your customers anymore and not forcing your message in front of them. That's not going to cut it anymore. Yeah,
1: so I, I like it, but I guess where I get I get worried is – how am I going to go influence in all these locations at once? And how do I control the ones that are out of my control? I mean, I'll, I'll go on a bit of a tangent here that people will will see in a moment. It's not really marketing, but channels like Glassdoor or Google review, it's very hard to validate and answer in the moment because we we actually make that the primary place for someone to go. And we don't even have that opportunity to interface with them. We're saying, Tell us what you think publicly, and then we're going to respond.
2: It is daunting, for sure. I mean, I'm I'm not saying that you know it's an easy task or that people shouldn't be worried about it. Um, but I think it's just like Mark said. It's a it's about being more human, and he gives a great example of somebody who's actually owning this really well. And I won't give it away because Mark goes into great detail about you know, this company owner who started a company because they were so tired of the way that corporations were treating their customers. And this owner actually gets in and answers comments herself. And they don't even know sometimes it's her. It's it's crazy how she's really embraced this new shift.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And these are some of the ways that, that Mark challenges us, as I said, to to rethink the way that we approach marketing so that we can still participate in those two thirds. And as he said it, it's only gonna become more daunting how much of that, that experience is outside the control of us as the brand. So it's, it's more important than ever we start to figure out how to do that. Without further ado, I feel like I've teased this one enough. Let's bring in Mark.
2: Yeah, let's do it. Mark, welcome back. It's been a while since you've been on the Content Experience show. Back then it was Content Pros, but welcome back. It's so great to have you.
3: I know you've had a whole rebranding since I was here last.
2: What's I up know. with that? I don't know. It's it's the new Content Experience show.
3: Well, I'm just going to have to work harder to earn my way back. <laughs>
2: Well, we are happy to have you here. So we know you very well. Our previous listeners know you well, but for those out there who are wondering um, sort of, you know, what you've been up to recently or since you've been on, you want to give them a little update?
3: Well, I think um, the short answer is I'm I'm a teacher at heart. I, I think I sort of teach in everything that I do. I am an actual teacher at Rutgers University. I, I'm an educator there and I think whether I blog or do a podcast episode or give a speech or write a book, I'm always looking for really teachable moments. And uh, so the book we're talking about today, I presume, is Marketing Rebellion. That's my seventh book and my best book and it's it's a very interesting topic. I I, I never have a plan to write a book. I I write a book when I get curious about something. And this time I was getting curious because everywhere I went in the world, people were telling me they were they were stuck, they were falling behind, that their marketing wasn't working like, like it used to. And I just heard it everywhere, from big companies and small companies and universities and nonprofits. And my, my original theory was that technology was moving too fast and people were falling behind. And, that's part of it for sure, but what I found as I got into it was that really our customers have moved away from us, and people have been sort of locked in, into marketing in a certain way without looking up to see how the world has changed, and that's what the book is about, sort of a wake-up call.
2: I Ever since you announced this book, I was excited about it because it's it's something that we have been talking about a lot, um, just, you know, how to not be a marketer to our customers, right? And this concept of when marketers sit down to try to market something, they forget what it was ever like to be like a real person or be a consumer. And we, we do these things, you're right, where over the years we've tried to take technology and just use the technology, but we've never considered how that impacts the people. So it's, it's funny how as technology has shifted, we've shifted, but not in the right way.
3: Well, we've we've. <laughs> we've I think I almost think that the technology has shifted us. Um, we've become just intoxicated with with technology, and and it's not because technology is bad that 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 I think it's sort of become the enemy of good marketing in a way, but because technology is so good, it's so easy, it's so cheap, it's so fun. And we, get, we just get stuck in dashboards and we're forgetting what our customers really want. You know, I, we, we, we talked about, well, what is this idea of human-centered marketing? And I think the first thing is to remember that we're, we are customers and you should look around your company and um, sort of see what are the things that we're doing that people hate? Then okay. stop that, just stop <laughs> it. And then get out and talk to your customers and find out what are their unmet and underserved needs. And I mean, there's just so many cries for help in our world today. Our our customers, you know, there's a lot of things that that they're suffering with, really. I mean, people are looking to belong and they're looking for meaning and they're looking to be acknowledged and they they wanna protect their self-interest. And these are basic human needs and we sort of just lost that. And we're, we're, we're obsessed with technology instead of, of this, this human idea. And I think the first step is just stop doing what people hate, find out what people need, and go do that. So I, I, I couldn't agree more, first off. I, you know, one of the things that
1: I can't take credit for coining is this idea that I hate ideas like marketing automation, right? Because they suggested to us that we could just automate everything mm-hmm versus really being strategic about what we're going to send people and how we're going to interact with them. So getting really tactical on this, I, I, I think that's the part that marketers get overwhelmed with is we're mm-hmm. expected to personalize at such scale today. Mm-hmm. And we assume that technology is going to help us with that. But then on the other side, we're being told, well, you have to personalize every opportunity that you can. So mm-hmm. where, where have you seen a company find that balance between the two, the harmony between the need to automate at scale and achieve scale, but the ability to still connect in a meaningful way. Like, is there a company that you look at and say, these guys are, these guys are doing that well.
3: Yeah, there's, there's a, there's a lot of case studies that I featured in the book that I, that really are inspiring. But first I want to go back to this idea of personalization, because I think what a lot of people misunderstand is they confuse, confuse personalization with personal. And I'll give you an example. So one of my uh, sort of pain points is LinkedIn spam. It's, it's, it's a hot button for me. I just can't stand worst. it. I can't stand it when when people try to turn this pretty nice, useful community into some cheap, Sales opportunity. And so the other day, some guy wrote me a note and he said, Well, you know, Mark, you know, I see that you're in marketing and I think you need, it's time for you to have a personal branding overhaul. Now, in some ways, that involves some sort of personalization because he knows I'm in marketing. He had my name, but it's not personal. If it was personal, he'd know. I wrote a book on personal branding. I don't need a personal branding overhaul. In fact, dude, you need a personal branding overhaul. <laughs> so that's the difference between personalization and personal. It, it wouldn't have, it's it, it's it's easy and almost uh, automatic to per, to personalize something, but you need with just a little bit of effort, he could have found very easily of of you know where I am with my personal brand and see that I wrote a book. Now, in terms of a case study, one of my favorite companies right now is, uh, is Glossier. Glossier, I think, represents all the great human-centered values that I talk about in the book. It's a cosmetics and skincare company founded by Emily Weiss, and Emily was a blogger. She was sort of a fashion and, and uh, beauty blogger, and through the blog, she found out what people hated. Not just about products, but about how they were treated by big established brands like L'Oreal. And she decided it was time to create a company that didn't talk down to people, that really acted like a friend. So she created Glossier. And everything she does is just so, so amazing. And So the, one of the ideas in the book is that the customer is the marketer and, and everything she does kind of puts that at its center. She had, she, she does no advertising. All of her, all of her sales are coming from word of mouth. Um, she, when she sends her products, um, she sends them in a way so that they're very Instagrammable and very conversational. um. She engages, the whole company engages with people on social media. Uh, They have different contests and they use different hashtags. Uh, The people who are featured as the models on their website are their customers. These are the people that they're engaging with. Emily herself gets down into the comments and gets down into the reviews and engages with people personally. Sometimes they don't even know she's the founder of the company, (laughs) And so the, the thing that inspires me is, 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 is young people like Emily, they look at the traditional marketing, how we interrupt people, how we annoy people, and they say, why would you do that? I mean, they're, they're, they know how to do it, I think, instinctively because they know how to treat each other well on the web and how to respect each other on the web and they know how they like to be treated. So it sort of comes as a second nature. And uh, I think we can, you know, larger companies, established marketers can learn a lot by watching some of these young companies come up and see how they treat their customers.
2: Yeah, I agree. I, I've never used Glossier, but I love what they're doing. I love their approach. Um, and I think going with what you were saying about the customers, the marketer, I, my jaw actually dropped when, um, with you mentioned in marketing rebellion, how two thirds of marketing is out of our control because of things like shared customer, you know, or just customer sharing and reviews and comments and word of mouth. And we've spent so much time and energy trying to just push messages at people versus, you know, Glossier. I mean, the owner is answering, you know, comments. It's insane. Mm -hmm. Like that's, Mm -hmm. you know, that's being human, not just pushing, you know, messages at people. It's crazy that two thirds of the marketing is out of our control.
3: Well, and the thing that's fascinating to me. So a lot of marketing leaders today are kind of my age. They're sort of in their 50s. You know, whenever you're in your 50s, you should be kind of those are typically the people who are, the, who are at the top of the company. And when I was cutting my teeth in marketing, it wasn't two-thirds out of our control. It was 90% in our control because we didn't have the Internet and we didn't have social media. And for a, a consumer to be aware of a brand and to learn about a brand, you sort of needed advertising. You needed advertising. You needed PR. You needed marketing messaging. Well, today, in those days, the brand was what we told you because that's the only choice you had. Today, as you said, two-thirds of our marketing is occurring without us. The brand is what people are telling each other. And we don't have a choice. We have to understand that because, you know, by 2025, it's not going to be two-thirds out of our control. It's going to be 90 percent is out of our control because as more and more digital natives take over the conversation, then that's where the world is going to go. And so we do not have a choice. We've got to understand and it takes a new mindset. It takes really reimagining marketing and uh, you know there was a point when I was writing this book and looking at research and statistics like that, Anna that have been around for a while. That particular statistic is is a well-known statistic from McKinsey, very seminal research they did, uh, looking at hundreds of thousands of customer journeys. And there was a point as I immersed myself in this research, I literally paused and almost lost my breath and thought, I don't know what it means to be a marketer today. All these things that I've held on to, we've all held on to, are, are going away. And we have to understand, how do we get invited to that two-thirds? We can't buy our way in like we used to. And it's, it, it, it suggests an entirely new mindset, an entirely new approach. And that's why I had some fear writing this book, because it is provocative. I mean, it's basically telling a lot of people, you got to take a close look at what you're doing, this it's probably not working. But here's the thing that's been amazing to me. The book has been very passionately embraced. And, and, and what most people say is, you know, I knew this was happening. I could see this happening. I just couldn't identify it, I couldn't name it. You named it and you sort of liberated us to do the right thing and pursue a new path. So it's uh, so far so good. That's great, Mark.
1: I, I want to dig in a little bit more on that and, and what comes next, as, as you said, as, as we kind of either give up control or try and keep a bit of that control. But we're going to do that right after we take a short break, listen from some of our sponsors, and we will be back with Mark Schaefer on the Connex podcast.
0: Hi, friends. This is Jay Baer from Convince and Convert, reminding you that this show, the Connect Show podcast, is brought to you by Uberflip, the number one content experience platform. Do you ever wonder how content experience affects your marketing results? Well, you can find out in the first ever content experience report, where Uberflip uncovers eight data science-backed insights to boost your content engagement and your conversions. It's a killer report, and you do not want to miss it. Get your free copy right now. At uberflip.com/slash/conex/show/report. That's uberflip.com/slash/conex/show/report. And the show is also brought to you by our team at Convince and Convert Consulting. If you've got a terrific content marketing program, but you want to take it to the very next level, we can help. Convince and Convert works with the world's most iconic brands to increase the effectiveness of their content marketing, social media marketing, digital marketing, and word of mouth marketing. Find us at convinceandconvert.com.
2: You need tools that can evolve to fit your needs. Unfortunately, spreadsheets and task trackers just can't do the job after a certain point, and manual administrative tasks distract from your team's ability to focus on creating. Thankfully, Airtable's flexibility and robustness gives your team the ability to get visibility into the most important information they need. Learn more about what Airtable can do for your team by visiting Airtable.com slash Connex. That's Airtable com slash connex
1: all right mark so I, I I'm intrigued I think a lot of our listeners are already intrigued about this marketing rebellion and what this means in terms of the control of our audience versus the desire for us to control and and I find as a marketer I'm probably trying to control people way too much I think a <laughs> lot of us you know we even look at this this buyer journey that we now hear is so complex with so many touch points and mm-hmm. we just try and touch people more and more and more right because mm-hmm. this the idea, I, you know, I always laugh at it. You know, marketers can all of a sudden justify every bit of spend because it's it's a complex journey. So we should yeah. just spend more. What is your recommendation? Is it that we need to try and touch people more, which is just scary, or is it you know take more of a, a sidestep and let people engage and then engage with them when that happens? What is the right balance here to to nail this new new world?
3: Well, that's an that's a extremely good question, a very interesting question. And, you know, I don't think there's a, a linear path. One of the things I talk about early in the book is that, that I am not telling anybody what to do. Um, I'm, it, the book is sort of a wake-up call to say, here's where the world is, and here's a map of the options. And you really need to sort of pick and choose the plan that feels right for your business. I mean, one of the things I talk about is how advertising and loyalty is in decline, but not everywhere and not all the time. And I think a good place for businesses to start to to to, to think about this this um, this world in a new way is. You know, when you and I were growing up in business and we thought about marketing and mass marketing and and controlling the message and getting the message out there, we thought about this mass audience and we broadcast to this mass audience with our tightly curated and crafted messages. Well, today, a better way to look at things and to to start getting into this new mindset is that through technology, technology. People have the opportunity to self-select into like-minded islands. So, the listeners of this podcast are a like-minded island. They're using technology to organize in a certain way. A Facebook group, a LinkedIn group, a Snapchat audience. Uh, There are thousands and thousands of different ways that people can self-organize into people who love the Toronto Raptors, people who love kayaking, people who love... uh, Cats, uh, people who love mountain biking, or whatever, or cooking, or whatever they love, and marketers sort of think about, wow, if I could just get onto those islands, I know I could sell my stuff. But it's it's literally like an island of family and friends, and you have to, and and the people don't want businesses there. They re- are they're rejecting our advertising. I, the 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 implementation of ad blockers. Is the largest protest in human history Mm -hmm. they're they're basically saying stop it stop it stop it and here and the ad industry's response is let's find a way to get around this and show them ads now how stupid is that people are making a statement I don't want to see your ads and the industry's response is we're going to show you more ads you know that's the old way of thinking about it we have to we have to we have to Every consumer rebellion, I, I talk about in the book, the consumers have been rebelling against annoying marketing and advertising for 100 years. And every time they have uh, rebelled, they win. I, I thought it was poignant that the first television remote was invented in 1950. As soon as we had TV ads, people wanted to get around them. And so that's the mindset that we've got God, to adopt to today. They're going to they're, they're win eventually. It's interesting. I, you know, as you're
1: describing all these, I, I wonder if there's an element of us getting lazy as marketers. Oh, right? absolutely. Because oh, I remember, I'm thinking about certain channels. Like, remember, remember the early days of, of going to, not early days. Remember 15 years ago going to a movie when they started to introduce not just the trailer, but the, the commercial before? Yeah. And they were amazing. Like, they'd be like, it was basically like they were going to produce a little mini movie before yeah. and you, you loved them. You wanted, like I remember Coca-Cola did some great ads. Yeah. great in-
3: stories.
1: Before I saw Home Alone probably, right? You know, that's how long ago it was. Now I'm like, okay, well, I better come 20 minutes late to the movie, right? And, <laughs> and then same thing happened on Facebook. You know, a channel that I think of right now that I actually enjoy the advertising is still Instagram. I think that they've done a, a, a good job at at making it feel natural, make it feel aligned, and and I actually find myself buying things. But it's probably just a matter of time till we get lazy on that channel, or it gets flooded, and now you know that that value is no longer there, or the connection is no longer
3: there. I, I think, Randy, that's that's an extremely important point. as part of this new mindset that we sort of have this tendency in business to take the 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 path of least resistance, the laziest path. And one of the things I concluded as I was writing this book is that the that the days of the marketing easy button are over. You've got to roll up your sleeves and really connect in new ways and in meaningful ways. And and, and again, I, I'm not I'm never prescriptive in the book, but um, you, you're exactly right. Is that most of the problems we have is because we're lazy. We can buy a million email addresses for $9.99 and if just one person responds and buys, we've more than paid for it, but we've spammed 999,999,000 people. And that's where we've gotten ourselves into, into trouble.
2: So one of the things I can absolutely see marketers being resistant to is obviously the way that this is going It's fragmenting, it's different channels that we don't own and control, again, coming back into that element of control, measurement. Now, all of a sudden, measurement is murky at best, right? Because it used to be, we have our website and we have our transactions and we have our clear goals and objectives outlined in Google Analytics. And now it's like, well, what do you mean we can't have access to that Facebook data? What do you mean we don't know really how to measure Facebook stories? Or sorry, Instagram stories or Facebook stories. Um, You know, and it's just this shattered, fragmented world where now we don't really know what's happening with consumer. And I think that's scaring a lot of people too.
3: It, it's scary, and, it, and it's a big concern of of mine, because it represents a huge obstacle to change, and a huge obstacle to adopting some of these new techniques. So, I mean, one of the things that uh, I think, you know, Jay, Jay Baer and I sort of go, like, we, we do these intellectual dances around each other. You know, we're always kind of swirling around each other, thinking in, in similar ways. And his book about Word of mouth marketing is a great example, okay? A certain to a certain degree, word-of-mouth marketing takes a leap of faith. True word-of-mouth marketing takes, takes a leap of faith. It is not easy to measure. Experiential marketing is it's a huge trend right now. It's very difficult to measure. Influencer marketing, if you're still one of those people out there rolling their eyes about influencer marketing, you know, come on, wake up. It's real it works and sure there's going to be some problems and there's going to be some controversy, but that's That's our world, right? That's you look anywhere and you're going to find people trying to corrupt things. But the long-term trend is it works, but it's harder to measure. And you know, one of the ways we're locked in to the marketing that doesn't work is because at least we can measure it. <laughs> you know we it's easy to measure a like or a mention or a share or you know a click or but that but we've got to start experimenting we've got to start moving and trying some of these new things because it's a huge concern of mine it's going to take real leadership it's going to take some courage to 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 move but the best companies the best marketing leaders the best managed companies, we will be seeing them make those, those moves. And if you can't break that paradigm, you'll be left behind.
2: I couldn't agree more. Um, I'm glad. I know. And also (laughs) that makes me feel good. Everybody give up your vanity metrics and measure things that matter. Um, But Mark, I could talk to you all day about, um, pretty much everything, and including Marketing Rebellion. Um, but thank you so much for being on. It was really a treat to have you back. We're um, over let's, already. I know. Just let's, not, let's not make it like well, we've always got
1: story. a little bit of extra time, though. Why don't we keep them around for those those personal questions, Anna? Like, well, of course, behind the scenes with Mark.
2: Oh yeah, no. I mean, true to form, true to the book, we got to know Mark as a marketer and an author, and now we're going to get to know him as a human. Um, But before we do sign off, Mark, uh, you have lots of different places that everybody can find you. So obviously, uh, businessgrow.com your amazing um, blog uh, they can pick up one of your books, either known um, the latest marketing rebellion, the most human company wins um, any place else that they can find you. Follow well, I you? think
3: really, if, if you could remember businesses grow, then you can find my blog, my podcast, my books, lots of free resources, all my social media connections. So if you can, nobody can spell Schaefer. So that's why I, it was never Schaefer.com was never an option uh businesses grow i figured that's something people could remember and spell so that's that's where you can find everything about me
2: businesses grow is a fabulous url and i feel like uh that's one that you're lucky you snagged that early because there's no way that would be available now <laughs> perfect all right so everybody go um follow mark and go check him out and then in the meantime we're going to get to know him on the human side so we'll be right back and randy will have some fun questions for mark Hey everyone, I wanted to take just a few seconds today to talk to you about Emma. Emma is an email marketing platform that helps you connect with your audience and grow lasting relationships. They're awesome. They offer really intuitive tools to build and automate emails with powerful segmentation and reporting too. And the big difference is they're focused on you. Between their award-winning support and their pro services team, they make sure every customer has success with their email marketing. Seriously, they are amazing. You can learn more and request a demo today at myemma.com slash jisawesome. Again, that's myemma.com slash jisawesome.
1: Okay, Mark. So how many books is this now? Is this seven? This is my seventh book. Seventh book. And it, it's amazing. I mean, a lot of these books are focused around marketing, which is obviously a passion for you. And you've built a career and a following, as we said, under businessesgrow.com. But let's say you were to write an eighth book because you could retire one day. You know, by that point, it's probably 12th book, but let's just say it was the eighth book and it had nothing to do with marketing but maybe a side passion that you had, yeah. who, you know, what would that book be about? And if you were to have to interview people to come up with that book, who would be one of your idols that you would have interviewed? So, you know, if you were a football fan, maybe it's yeah. you know, Joe Montana, who, who would be, what would the topic be and who would be your first interview?
3: I could kind of answer the, the question with one name. And so I, I think my objective, I'd want to be the boy Brene Brown. Okay. I just, I, I, I love Brene Brown. My wife
1: is in the same book, same, same
3: pocket as you right now. She's like yeah. getting me to watch her Netflix stuff and everything. Right. But, but I think the what I love about Brene is that she's achieved her status in such an authentic way. And she's, her work is based on research, which I admire. I mean, that's what I try to do as well. Um, But she's real and she's funny and she swears when she wants to swear. You know, she's a, she's a Texan in her heart, but she's a great intellect. And she's, she's, she just sets an amazing example. And that's, I mean, I am sort of moving in that direction because, you know, I'm looking into the last third of my life and, you know, I don't have as much room for error as you guys do. Uh, You know, whenever you're in your thirties or your forties, you can still play around. But once you're in your fifties, the decisions become a little more, uh, you got to commit a little bit more. And um, so, I mean, I've built this amazing platform and, the, the, and people listen to me and they believe me. And I think I've got an op- opportunity to have a positive impact on the world. And I, I do now. I, it's important for me to set an example and, and to show that you can be a principled leader and lift people up and not be catty and slimy and toxic like the rest of the web. I want to show that you can be a different way. So I'd love to have the opportunity to be the boy, Brene. <laughs> I like it. connect to people the way she does. I like it. That's
1: great. Well, it, it sounds like people have some work to do if they want to get that same inspiration. The first thing they're going to do is they're going to meet, read Marketing Rebellion. Uh, they're going to get motivated. They're going to start to think more human, which is a lot aligned with the type of, of writing and inspiration that you're you're pushing towards. I think you've made a great step in that direction.
3: Uh, not to thank say- you. That that actually that means a lot to me, Randy. It really does. Absolutely. I, I mean, absolutely. I hope people see it as a as a book of hope and a positive book. Uh, it is called Rebellion, but then I say the most human company wins, and it has yeah. peace in, peace signs on the front.
1: Exactly. <laughs> it, it is a very friendly, but uh, but it's a challenge, and I think that's. Yeah. That's what marketers need from time to time. So Mark, I, I thank you for, for doing that for marketers and doing that with Anna and I today. This has been a, a great episode. If, if you've enjoyed listening to Mark, we've given you all the places to go. Check the show notes as well. we'll make sure you have all the URLs to access his site, get all of his past books and that, those books that are coming down the line for sure, including, including the one where he becomes more human than ever. Uh, <laughs> until, until next time, I'm Randy Frisch. On behalf of Anna Rock at Uber, Flip, and Convince and & Convert, respectively, we thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, thank you so much for tuning in.
0: This is Jay Bear, and thanks for listening to the Content Experience Show. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentexperienceshow.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. That's contentexperienceshow.com. The Content Experience Show is sponsored by Convince & Convert Consulting and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince & Convert. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show, just go to convinceandconvert.com.